Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. We talked about which way over these last few weeks. We talked about which way? Perseverance. We talked about perseverance. You got to persevere. A lot of people quit in the middle of the stream. They never cross over the finish line because they're always quitting. And you're never going to have that feel or that sense of victory if you're always quitting. But perseverance says this. Perseverance. Which way? Perseverance. In other words, don't quit when things get tough. That's what perseverance is. I'm going to persevere through the storm. I'm going to weather the storm. I'm going to last through the storm. God doesn't care how fast you go or how slow you go. He just wants you to continue to go and persevere and not give up. The other one we talked about, which way? Maturity. That God handling things as an adult and as a strong Christian believer and not as a child. That we handle things as an adult properly, orderly, correctly, as an adult would, as a believer would, that I'm a Christian, I should need to act right, be right, talk right, and be like Jesus, amen. The Bible says if you're a Christian, Christian means Christ-like, that I want to be Christ-like. So that leads me to the next one. How many of you know that, man, I wear bracelets now, this one says I'm not ashamed, the other one's Adventure Church. And you know, but when you were a kid, how many remember way back when they had the bracelet had WWJD on it, right? I think everybody has saw that, either wore that. I was one of them. And I would wear that all the time. And every time I was in a predicament in my life, I would always look at that. And I would look at that bracelet. That's a matter of fact how I started wearing bracelets like I do now is because I would look at that, Rhonda, and I would look at that and it would point to me and it was WWJD. What would Jesus do in times of struggles? pressures and hardships. So it made me pause and it made me think, what would Jesus do and how would he act in this situation? You know, a lot of times you got to remember, there are people watching you. You may not look like it or maybe think that, and maybe you feel like you're just a number or a speck and you're unimportant, but somebody somewhere is always watching you, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's your aunt, your uncle, your nieces, your nephews, someone in your life is always watching you. And what they're watching in you is how you going to respond under pressure, situations, hardships in your life. You see, listen, you are a story or a book that someone's going to read. And you can lead them down the path of righteousness. You can lead them down the good things or you can lead them down the bad things. You are a book that your son or your daughter is going to read regardless if you feel unimportant or not. You are an adult figure, you are their authority figure, and someone is watching you. I got a feeling somebody's watching me. You don't know that neither, right? But you are being watched. And so when you're being watched, you got to remind yourself, how would Jesus handle these situations? Now, to our theme verse of what we've been talking about is James chapter 1, and I added 6 and 7 to these next contexts of where we're going. But in James chapter 1, and I'm not going to stay here at this address very long, but consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. In other words, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that we're going to face trouble. We're not going to be exempt from situations, hardships. We are in a sinful world, and because of the sinful world, the enemy is like a lion roaming to and fro, looking for whom he may devour. We're not going to be exempt from persecution, hardships, or struggles, so don't be surprised by that. So he's calling us, and he's telling us, and he's forewarning us. But then in verse 2, it says this, or verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. A rubber band never exceeds its purpose until it's stretched. It could be a rubber band, but if it's not being stretched or it's not being uh, used for its purpose, it's not being the rubber band. You're going to be stretched in your faith. Your faith is being stretched like a rubber band to see how strong you're going to be and if you're going to weather the storm and persevere. That's what faith does. It produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance being stretched... Finish its work so that you may be mature. How many of you ever said this before? I'm not going around that same tree again. That means that you have learned and you have matured that I'm not going around that same tree again. I've learned from past mistakes. I've learned from this mistake, that mistake. I'm not doing that again. That means you're maturing. If you're always going around the same tree, guess what? You're not maturing. You're still in that rat race. And now you've got a path. Maturity means I'm getting off this rat race, I'm getting off this trail, and I'm going to blaze a new one. And then it goes on, watch this. It must finish its course. If anyone, now watch this, if any of you lacks wisdom, if lack wisdom, I'm going to say, God, I need wisdom right now. Lord, I need wisdom and understanding, clarity of mind and thought. I need a direction. I always say, plan your work, work your plan. Wisdom gives you the plan to work out. If you need a plan in your life, ask God for wisdom. But here's what he says. I love this. You should ask God. Ask God. God, I'm going to ask of you. Why is it that it's so easy for us to ask for other people? Can I ask you a question? Why is it in the Christian realm that when we have altar calls, Man, we can come up here and pray for one another. We can pray for our brother or our sister. We can shout down heaven. We can stand in the gap. Man, God bless Jamie. God do this. God do that. Man, and we can shout. Man, and we can have a saliva fest. Man, we can have people with their glasses putting windshield wipers on their glasses because you're just shouting down heaven. And you're asking and you're believing. But why is it when it comes to you, you struggle? We got this mindset that it's better to give and to receive. Yes, that's true, and the Bible does say that. But the Bible also says that we have to ask in the circumstances or situations, Harlan, of our own life. So a lot of times what happens, if you're not determined and you don't come boldly to the throne of grace, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy, tamer, and help in your time of need. If you come to God, God, Maybe you will do this. God, if you can do this. God, if you love me, what kind of that? That won't even scare a mouse. You come to God with confidence that he hears me, speaks to me, and responds to me. You come with God with confidence and assurance that God, you hear me, speak to me, respond to me, that when I come, I'm coming with confidence and assurance that God, you're not going to turn a deaf ear to my request or my cry, but you're going to hear me and you're going to react to my cry or my request of asking. He said, but what? Look at this. Who gives graciously, go back to that, who gives generously to all. Now, you got to get this. 
without finding fault. A lot of times people don't ask because they don't feel they're qualified to ask. Can I ask you a question? When in your life are you going to accept God's forgiveness in your life? Some of you are holding on to your past that you can't get past first base because your past is holding you back. And because it's holding you back, you can't come to God confidently because you're ashamed of yesterdays. And God says, listen, I don't even remember your yesterdays, so why do you? And your yesterdays will hold you back to your todays. And so many times what happens is you don't go to God because you feel unworthy. You did this, you did that, and all these things that you have the list of that God got rid of. And so what happens is you come to God, God, I, I, I know I've done this last year. God, I, I, can you please forgive me? And God's up there in heaven thinking, my son and my daughter, I have forgiven you. And so, therefore, if he's forgiven you, you should, like, be a newborn calf in the calf pen, kicking up your heels and saying, moo, because I'm happy. And so what happens is God says, I don't look at you when you come and judge you and put you down. I, Patty, accept you. And you know what the greatest thing is? God accepts you just as you are. It's not like our society, if you wear the right brand of clothes, if you have the right hair, if you say the right things, people accept you and categorize you in your, their category. Oh, man, they must be an athlete because look how they dress. Oh, man, they must be a nerd because look how they dress. Oh, man, look at her hair. She must be a hippie. And we categorize people by their appearance. But man looks at the outward things and God looks at the heart. And God doesn't look at your circumstances and who you are. He looks at your heart. And he says, listen, you come boldly. And the heart that I see is a heart that's forgiven and cleansed and has the ability to approach me with confidence. But then he goes on. I love this. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Woo. You know what doubt does? Doubt uproots. Now get this. Doubt always uproots your faith. It'll uproot your faith. It'll make you start questioning. It'll make you start disbelieving. It'll make you start walking in confusion. And all along, it's uprooting your faith. And you know, and I know as a gardener, if you continue to pull up the plant, the plant will die because the roots are not able to grow and get deeper to produce the fruit. And the enemy gets you to always pull up your faith. Pull up your tent stakes. And when the wind comes, the tent's blown away. And that tent is you because the Bible says, don't you know that you are a temple of God, the tent, and God's spirit lives in you. So what happens, Christina, is this, is that we start to doubt. And then we start doubting, the tent stakes of faith start being pulled up. And then what happens? By every wind and doctoring, every storm of life, it blows us off first base. Watch this. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
and you wonder why maybe your cupboards are empty, your spirit life is feeling dry, maybe because you love God one day and not the next. Maybe because one day you believe in God and not the next. You see, listen, this walk that you're walking with Christ, it's a faith journey every day. It's not a part-time thing. It's not a hit and run where you hit God one day and you run and you run away and you hide until you have another accident and you hit him again. You stay in there for the long haul, through the thick and thin. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to walk in fear, worry, confusion. I'm established in my faith. Somebody say amen. Now, when I was a kid, i never forget this. When I was a kid, I started working at the Dairy Queen in Racine, Wisconsin, at the Dairy Queen there, uh, right across the street from Johnson's Wax, uh, you know, Johnson's Wax, you know. And I worked right across the street from there. So we had all these suit guys that would come to the Dairy Queen. And this Dairy Queen wasn't like the one you have here in Siren. This is called the Brazer. So this Dairy Queen's called the Brazer. And the reason why it's called the Brazer is because they have a whole food line. They have the, the, the flamethrower. That's my burger. Amen. Go get the flamethrower over at the burger. Get the double get the double patty one. That's bad to the bone. Bad for my stomach. Bad for the bone. Gives me indigestion, but I still love it. It's hot. Amen? But they had the, bla- uh, the, the brazer. We didn't work at a brazer. Ours was just your standard Dairy Queen where you had to walk up to the window. We had chili dogs and hot dogs and, and barbecue uh, sandwiches. That's all we served. But anyways... When I became uh, there, I started working there at 14. I had to go through the process of learning how to make all the different desserts. Okay, the peanut butter parfait. Anybody peanut butter parfait people here? Amen. The peanuts, I got it. The peanuts on the bottom, hot fudge, ice cream, hot fudge, peanuts, ice cream, hot fudge, and more peanuts. Amen. (laughs) Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got food in my tummy, and it makes me want to hungry. You don't know that neither. I'm trying to teach you some new song. I'm gonna get you a I'm gonna get you a jukebox. Right? But then then you had the hot fudge sundae, real simple, you know, ice cream, hot fudge. You know they put it just a little bit on the top. My wife said, nope. I paid for more than that. Give me some more of that hot fudge. How many know what I'm talking about, right? They're getting skimpy on that stuff lately. You gotta tell them no. Right? But then it came to the banana split. Now banana split, it took art, man, to do that. You had to take a banana, you had to peel that bad boy, and then you had to cut it right down the center, right? And then that back in those days, they had tins. They don't have the plastic things that they have now. They have tins, and if you have a blackstone grill, it looks like one of those tins that catches the grease, right? So you cut the banana in half, you place it in the tin, you spread it out, and then you make three mounds of ice cream. One, two, three. But then here's the branding part of the Dairy Queen, which you guys may not know. I didn't know this till I was 14, and I learned this. So you got to put the toppings on in a certain order. It had to be pineapple, chocolate, and strawberry. It couldn't be chocolate, pineapple, strawberry. It couldn't be strawberry, pineapple, chocolate. It had to be pineapple, chocolate, strawberry. And you know what was crazy about that? All the dispensers, pineapple and strawberries, were right next to each other, but the chocolate was way over here. So I had to go from pineapple to the chocolate to the strawberry. I mean, it's crazy. Why don't you just put it all together? But then I, after doing that, then I had to put on the whipped cream. That was bad to the bone too, right? And every time I made a banana split, it would make me want to buy one or eat one or whatever. But then my manager taught me a trick. He said, CJ, you're not done. I said, what more can you add to this? 
And he said to me, you forgot one thing, the most important thing, the cherry on top. He said to me, he said, you know what, CJ, the cherry is a sign of completion. The cherry means it's done, Pastor Kevin. It's done. It's finished. It's ready to be eaten. It's ready to be given out because now the cherry rose is on top. And you know what the cherry is on top today? The cherry on top is James chapter 1, verse 5. Watch this. James 1, verse 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you know what the cherry is? The cherry is wisdom. The cherry on top is wisdom. Able to govern your life once you persevered, once you matured, now give, God gives you the manuscript or the instructions or the wisdom of how to run that which you have. That's who you are. He gives you the instructions to run what he created, which is you. While we were at the church picnic the other day, Terry, is Terry Pearson here? Terry Pearson is over there. Uh, uh, Terry was uh, at the picnic, and he had just brought a new drone. And it was fun. We as guys were just talking, and Terry's over there being like a little kid playing with his drone. And uh, before he started playing with his drone, he uh, took out the instructions. And uh, he started reading the instructions, so he read this part of the instruction. And then he got the drone, and he got it to stay in one place for about six feet. Just stood there right there. And you hear those bad boys. It's not like bumblebees, right? So then, after he got that figured out, he started reading more of the instructions. And before you knew it, what happened was Terry was flying that drone all over our heads. But he figured it out. He gained knowledge and wisdom from the instructions that he was able to run that drone. And the reason why God gives you wisdom is to be able to run your life in the correct way that God in which he has for your life. So God grants you wisdom or understanding or the cherry on top. Once you persevered, once you're matured, now how are you going to run your life? You ever think about that? You're going to run it with the wisdom of God. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. That, God, you're going to give me wisdom to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. God, if I have wisdom, it's going to prevent me from making wrong choices in my life. It's going to prevent me from having accidents, God, that was going to derail me from going further into what you have for my life. Another one is this. Wisdom is gaining knowledge and understanding of your struggles. Have you ever said this before? God, I don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat said, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And the moment he did, God brought peace to that circumstance. He went up the mountain. He conquered the victory. Wisdom brings knowledge and understanding to your struggles. And Now watch this. And the events that are going on around us. I just read an article. Matter of fact, last night, maybe you saw the same article. Apple put it out. When I get Apple News and they put it out. And they said in this article that I just read last night, they were saying that our society today, and maybe Tamara, especially you and other people that serve in, in the areas, they said our society right now is at an all-time high of being angry. 
that everywhere you go, it's on an all-time high of people are mad. They said in this article that people are rising up at baseball games, basketball games, getting in right knockdown, dragged out fights. Man, people waiting in restaurants, man, they're fighting in restaurants, they're fighting in grocery stores, they're fighting at the doctor's office. Everywhere you go, they say that, man, there's such a heightened anger in our society right now. How many can relate to what I'm saying? Maybe you got your head bit off. Maybe you bit somebody else's head off. And the reason being is because we are in a world or society that's walking in confusion. And the Christian believer should pause for a moment and get rid of the clutter and the mess in their mind and pause for a moment and say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm coming on, calling on you, God, to grant me wisdom and understanding in this mess in which I'm living right now. You see, listen, wisdom takes the battle out of your hands and places it in God's hands that gives you the ability or the tools to handle your battle. He gives you knowledge. He gives you tools. He gives you understanding of how to handle your battle. So battle, and, and, and he goes on to say in James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, as we read this again, and when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now watch this again. Now he says in verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you have your notes, check this out. To receive wisdom, you must ask your daddy, Jesus. Got to ask. You have not because you ask not. Seek his insight. Got to seek God. I'm going to seek you while you may be found. I'm going to call upon your name. Seek his insight. And once you find him, you got to knock. God, I'm going to ask, seek, and knock. If you have your papers, the acronyms of that goes like this. A equals ask. S equals seek. K equals knock. Put the three together, it spells ask. Ask. You have to ask. You have to ask. I don't know about you, but my kids are not bashful to ask mommy and daddy for things. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Especially parents that got kids going to school right now. When they go to school, I know it was with my kids. When they go to school, guess what? They come back and see what their friends have. Mommy, daddy, I want a golden goose now, daddy. <laughs> what do you mean you want a golden? Well, they have Nikes like that, and I want that. I remember I was pastoring in Watertown, South Dakota, and I was watching TV, and it was, to be honest with you, it was a Packer game. And I was so intrigued into the Packer game. And, man, all of a sudden, my boy, my oldest boy, he come up to me and said, Dad, he said, I want these tennis shoes like David Borden. And I said, okay. He said, Dad, you're going to buy me these tennis shoes like David Gordon? And I said, yeah, I'll buy them for you, no problem. I was so involved in the game that all I wasn't thinking, I wasn't weighing the cost, I was so involved in the game. And then afterwards, we went, and we drove into the cities, and the only place you could find these shoes was at Macy's. So you got the price tag right there, right? They were Reeboks, and they looked like the shark, and they had the fins on the side, looked like a shark, you know, and they were really fancy shoes. Those bad boys were over 100 bucks. But you know what my boy said to me? He said, son, I, 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 I can't afford that. I said, daddy, you said, yeah. Daddy, I asked you, and you said, yeah. I didn't mean it. 
How many of you have said that before? And because I wanted to follow through with my word, I had to pay those shoes uh, over $100 so that my son could be like David Gordon. My point is, he asked. And if you don't ask, you can't expect God to bless you. I like this. Asking is not a sign of weakness, as some would think. It's not a sign of weakness. So many times we don't ask because if it asks, it means I have to let go of my pride, and our pride goes before fall. So I'm not going to ask because that shows that I'm weak. No, that's not true. It's not a sign of weakness, let somebody think. It's a sign of courage to come boldly to ask him. God, I got courage. I, I have confidence and assurance that, God, if I ask anything in thy name, it shall, it will be Done. I'm not going to come as a pansy whamsy, but I'm going to come as a faith believer, knowing that, God, you meet the needs of your people, that you never let the righteous be forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. God, I'm coming and will get mine because I'm asking. You can't expect God to jump into your vote if you don't invite him in and ask. I love this. Uh, asking without doubt. Asking without doubt. I'm not going to doubt you, God. I'm not going to waver. Because look at this, doubt is the fog that clouds your vision from his promises. Can you imagine that? It clouds your vision from his promises. The more you doubt, the further you get away from his promises. The further you get away from his promises, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And it clouds your vision of what God really has for you. The more you doubt, the less you see. The less you see, the less you believe. The less you believe, the less you experience his blessings. And it clouds the promises. What promises in your life that brought clouds to you or fog to you that you've given up on because the clouds came in and the fog came in and now you don't see them anymore? And because you don't see them anymore, you don't believe from them anymore. That's what doubt will do. You see, doubt plays a tug-of-war in your mind, emotions, and your spirit that it kills any hope and peace. You notice what it says, the order of that? The mind. Everything starts with the mind. Joyce Myers, the battlefield belongs to the mind, the devil. This is where it all starts. It starts with a thought. The thought is a seed. A seed turns into a tree. A tree produces seed, a fruit. Everything starts with a thought. And what does it do? It starts in your mind. It starts making you not believe. It starts whittling away at your faith. It starts whittling away at your belief system. So finally, you don't have any faith anymore. And then once you give up on your faith and it starts whittling at your mind, guess what the next thing does? It starts at your emotions. You know and I know when you're happy, you're going to sing a happy tune. But when you're sad, you're going to sing the blues. And what the enemy does, he comes at your emotions. Your emotions, he brings depression, discouragement, defeat. It makes you feel down. It makes you feel sad. It makes you feel mad. It starts whittling at your emotions till it gets at you so much that you just put yourself in park and you give up. And you say these words, what's the use? Because it comes at your emotions. When your emotions are high and things are going good, you man, you got confidence that you can scale over the biggest mountain in your life. But when your emotions are down, you give up. But then it comes at your spirit, your spirit man, the inward man. It comes at your spirit. And you know what it comes at your spirit? It dries it up. And it dries up your spirit for expecting great things to happen in your life. 
And I wonder where a lot of you are right now. Maybe you are like a lot of us, a lot of believers. We look good on the outside. We got all the Christian cliches down. Oh, God is good. And we slap five. We do all these things. We lift our hands. But inside, we're really like dead corpse. And our spirit man is dry and it's dead. Why? Because we let doubt creep in. It started in our mind. It got into our emotions and now into our, our spirit. And it affected our relationship with God. And our sensitivity with God is gone. And our hearing of his voice is death. God, that's what doubt will do. It'll take away any hope. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, and I'm just going to blow through this because it's time. In these verses of Scripture, God says this word five times. And when God speaks of a word five times, it's time that we take notice of what he's saying. He says, ask, verse 1, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Then he goes on, verse 8. For anyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. Notice what it's saying, the word ask. Five times in these verses of Scripture, God is telling us to ask. If anyone, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone. In verse 10, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. But watch this, verse 11. If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? You have not because you ask not. God, I need wisdom. If there's a time in our, I'm moving fast, I know I am. If there's a time to ask God for wisdom, it's now. With all the world events that are going on around us, wisdom. Wisdom shows you what to do after you persevere and now mature, ask. Wisdom is the instructions in helping us navigate in this messed up world. God, I don't, I don't know. Man, can I be honest with you? I've never seen so much panic, so much fear, so much anxiety in our world today. And not just in our world, but in the church. There's a lot of people that are restless right now. Man, if you just seen my texts, my messenger, man, my emails, man, my box gets full. Because there's a lot of anxiety, Art, that is going on in our society right now. And how are we going to find peace? We find peace by being established in Christ, seeking his wisdom and his guidance for our lives. I'm not going to go this way, that way, God. I'm going to go the way you tell me to go. Here's a prime example, and I'm going to close. I know. First Kings, I love this story. You've got to see this. This is so cool. Watch what he says, Robin. This is so cool. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. For I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. First Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. He says, I'm only a child. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So watch what he asked for. Brianna, check this out. If you had a genie right now 
and you could rub the genie in the bottle, and it'll come out, poof, what is your wish? I wonder what some of you would ask for. Would it be enough money to carry me through the rest of my life? Would it be, man, that I have pain-free, no more pain in my life? Would it be that my kids cooperate and stop being rebellious? What would it be if you had three wishes that were granted to you? Without any question, they would, poof, they would happen. This was Solomon. Solomon had a wish that was granted to him. Anything he could have asked for, Ireland. Look at what he asked. So give your servant, this is Solomon's request, a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? You see what he asked for? Terry, he didn't ask for wealth or riches or health. He asked for wisdom. Bill, he asked for wisdom in his life to govern not only his own life, but all the people that he was in charge of. Because guess what? The next verses, they lead to uh, uh, wisdom. It leads to wealth and health in his life. Watch this. Check this out. The Lord was pleased with that Solomon had asked for this. He's pleased. He's excited. Now look, it, it doesn't end there. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for death of your enemies. How many have prayed that before? Knock them out. Right? But for discernment and administrating justice, doing what is right, having the wisdom to govern things and making things right and doing things properly and orderly and God having the mind of you, am I going in, am I going out? Give me the wisdom. Watch what he says. Look at this next verse. Watch this. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So he granted him what he asked for. But God put the cherry on top. Check this out. Check this out. Moreover, I like that. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. You know what he was saying? That wisdom leads to wealth and health and promotion in your life if you take the right steps. That's what he was saying. You want promotion, you want wealth, and you want health? Ask God for wisdom how to spend my money right. Ask God to make the right choices. God, help me. Give me wisdom, God. And God honored him. But it doesn't stop there, and I'll close, I promise, after this one. 1 Kings 4. Watch this. 1 Kings 4, verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very high insight. And breathe an understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Can you imagine? Wow. How many need some wisdom right now? Just invite God. I'm telling you. It's that simple. We make it so hard when God just makes it so simple. But he goes on, verse 30. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East. 
and greater than the wisdom of Egypt. All because he asked. He asked. Why aren't you asking? You want to be able to handle your life? You want to be able to run your life? You want to do what's right? You want to make right decisions? Ask. Ask. Don't assume. Michael, ask. And that's when God will guide you. Will you stand with me today? God, I'm asking. I'm asking for wisdom. I'm asking for guidance. I'm asking how to handle the situation. Maybe you're facing a situation at your job and you're praying, God, how, how do I handle this situation? Maybe you're facing a situation in your family. How do I handle this situation? Whatever it may be, your God has the answer if you will ask. Don't ask until you're in the middle of the battle and then you need God as a crisis instead of God of the cross. Ask now before you get into the battle and he can help you escape it before you ever get to it. God, I'm inviting you in. Father, today, I pray over these individuals, every one of them. Lord, we persevered. We're weathering the storm. We're becoming mature. and Lord, we moved from the milk to the meat. But now, God, how do I handle our lives during this time? Give us wisdom to govern our life personally, our lives with our family, our kids, our jobs. Give us wisdom, Lord, to make right decisions that lead to success in our lives. I pray, God, over every individual, whether they're faced with a crisis they're going through right now, and, God, they're asking for wisdom, I pray that you will store that upon them right now, from the crowns of their head to the soles of their feet. Bless them, open the windows of heaven to them, and pour out a blessing upon them that they can't even fathom or even imagine. All starting with asking, asking for the wisdom and guidance of you. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Go with us today. Bring us back tonight, Lord God, as we celebrate your power. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.